0: Conversations and meditations. With Justin Martin. Uh, So welcome everybody to the podcast this week. I've got a special guest with me, Pam Andrews. She's got a business out in Canberra called Feeling Connected. Uh, We first became connected... For a mutual friend of ours and, and the president of our organization here, Shane, uh, who's also been in a podcast. Rewind if you want to see one of those uh, previous podcasts. Welcome, Pam. It's a real pleasure to have you here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. I've, um, it's been a, a lovely um, few years getting to know what your organization does through my friendship with Shane. Um, and then, of course, you volunteered to be a part of my um, pilot men's program a couple of years ago I went through the course. Yeah. And you know already, I'm noticing. You know, you and I could probably just talk about anything because the degree of communication skills and rapport that we built up through doing that course and getting to know each other um, really helped. So, yeah, thanks for having me along. I look forward to sharing more of what I'm up to.
0: That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And yeah, it was an interesting experience for me being part of your program. Yeah, the the, the combination of, uh, I suppose, personally, I've been on a, on a fairly large growth cycle since I'm going to say my 30s since I was was around about 30 was when we first realized that you know I was going to be a father my my wife had our son around that age and before that I had not had genuine responsibility in the whole world (laughs) you know we'd we'd spent the best part of a decade you know seven years traveling the world just on on a whim wherever we felt like going that's where we went the longest job I've ever had before this job was three years was my absolute max after three years I'm like I'm wishing you well but I'm out of here and so it's, it's been an interesting cycle for myself to now be in this position where I've I kind of feel like I have started to <laughs> mature into myself and and kind of get to understand myself a little bit better and so it was a really interesting experience to go through your program in that more formal way which is something i've never really done before so how has that program gone for you have you continued on with that
1: yeah absolutely well the um i guess the win out of that particular program because i've been offering online and uh, face-to-face courses group courses or one-on-one sessions for quite a few years now um that particular one when i put the call out i I wanted to see whether i could hold the space for men and obviously you volunteered we did one-on-one and then i had a group um that was four of them it was during COVID. there was it was online the age ranged from 30 right through to 70. So these were guys who came from a whole lot of different demographics. I was curious. I was like, how will they respond to a woman holding a space for them to talk about things, about become vulnerable, talk about their feelings, uh, acknowledge kind of things that they wanted to change in their life? And what blew me away was how quickly um, the group came together, um, how willing they were to share what was going on for them. And the feedback I got at the end of the course I guess is what's motivating me to do more of this because they all said it was fun, simple, profound, and effective. And I went, "Wow! If I can get men to talk about an experience of connecting to their feelings and describe it in that way, then I've ticked some boxes." Sure. So, um,
0: I can't think of too many more boxes left. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure.
1: So, um, since then, as life does, I think when we when we make an intention to feel more connected, and when we seek to grow. Life will sometimes throw us on a totally different course. So, mm-hmm. for me personally, at the moment, I haven't had a chance to do too many other courses because life threw me some big curveballs, okay. um, which started with the death of my father, my godfather, and my stepfather, all within two months of each other.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um, sorry. Oh, I just said um. um... Sad to yeah. Hear that. That and when people result. hear
1: that, it's like, whoa, and it was, it was a big whoa. Um, and obviously a huge amount of feelings, grief, um, practical things to deal with. And at the same time, the experience of each one of my fathers passing away delivered this incredibly profound insight into an element of my curriculum. And all of a sudden, six months after I'm kind of I've renovated houses to put them on the market to manage estates and so forth, I've kind of been left with this really different way of seeing what I was teaching and then it's been another kind of year of actually integrating that into my world um, and how I see the world to the point where I um, can now actually understand what it was that those gifts came to teach me Um, and of course you want to see it that way I mean you wouldn't put yourself through that without wanting to know that I can learn and grow from that and I guess that's one of the really base principles of what I teach because we're all going to go through big emotional experiences we're going to have things that go wrong in our life pain will be created accidents happen and yet you know there's two key things as part of that is one is that you can know that you can support yourself through that so an overwhelming feeling experience doesn't send you into some kind of um, protective mechanism or way of shutting down or cutting out the kind of support that you need right there in that moment. So I definitely did a lot of that. I yeah. reached out to a lot of people. Um, and at the same time, to be able to sit back after, you know, to have rode the roller coaster of all the big feelings and sit and ponder, what was the wisdom in that? What what was the the bits that I responded well to that actually uh, showed me, you know, the things that are working in my life and what were the bits that I found really hard um, and that I can actually learn and reflect and grow from. So that, you know, is a big part of how I teach my curriculum now. Instead of just helping people look at the communication skills that they might use that are defence mechanism facades, you know, the interrupt connection, I've kind of built in another whole layer which actually has people going, big feelings arrived, I've got a choice. Am I going to stay feeling connected or am I going to disconnect? And mm. to stay feeling connected, your number one thing is you've really got to tune into the body wisdom. What is it telling me right now? And what do I need? And can I acknowledge it? So, you know, I could be exhausted and my old pattern might've been to go, Oh, I've got to help everybody. I've got to save everybody. Mm. Or my new one could be I'm exhausted. I need to have, know how to communicate in myself to say, there's that cue my body's telling me I'm exhausted I'm going to be slow down enough to acknowledge it and then I'm actually going to say to someone I can't do that right now or I need to rest or can you help me so that's just one beautiful way of taking a simple form of communication which a lot of us aren't really good at Mm. and taking it into what I call the self-care mode it's like we've got to get better at um, tuning into our own body wisdom and communicating better within ourselves. And then the next part comes in the authentic sharing. Can I stay connected to my own feelings, even if it means I might disappoint someone else or shut something else down? So there's, and then there's another module around um, being able to actually self-reflect into what am I going to grow and learn from this? So I guess, yeah, my father's dying and the the subsequent kind of lessons I learned were really, really uh, emphasised to me how important those three basic skills are. And if you can get them all in line and operating at the same time we can navigate any kind of big experience i lost a job you know I'm, I'm confused about my relationship and i you know i want to change you know i've got a child who's in distress i don't know how to communicate with them all of those kind of scenarios that we all end up in in life if we can navigate those in a way that keeps us connected to our own feeling center allows us to authentically share with someone else while we're doing that mm-hmm. and also gives us an opportunity at the end of that to int- to self-reflect and go well what am i learning from this and how can i grow from this yes yeah,
0: sure. um
1: and when you get them all together you end up with this beautiful experience of being able to be really authentically yourself no matter what's going on
0: beautiful yeah i i think it might be one of the one of the many profound things that Buddha said, which was that you know pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. You know, just because there is pain, it's pain. You're guaranteed there's going to be pain, but it's what you do with that pain, and and whether you see it as an opportunity for growth and learning, or if you see it as a as a downward spiral into a into an extended suffering. Uh, I, I think that's some pretty critical stuff.
1: Absolutely, and all the research they're doing into um, trauma um, recovery at the moment and the PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the scientists will say it's not the thing that's happened; it's how we internalize that experience, mm. and it's also how do we relate to ourselves when we're going through that trauma. So, you know, we've all we all know what fight and flight feels like and looks like, and freeze and appease, and and yet so often that's what we get stuck in. So we'll get stuck in um, an autonomic nervous system meltdown. And then we'll also start telling ourselves a story about what's happened that only reinforces kind of what we're suffering. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the principles of my work are very much built around feelings, truth and, and personal responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it starts to break the mould of blaming or being a victim yeah. because at the end of the day, you know, if we're in an overwhelming feeling and we don't learn this, Justin, you know, we're not we're five, six, ten. We don't really learn a lot about what it is to reach out for help when we need it or to look after ourselves. So it's this beautiful kind of reset of going only I can take responsibility for caring for myself right in this moment um and i have to understand what happens when i do go into a distress mode how can i soothe it how can i solve the problem and so yeah i love seeing how it empowers people to really um take responsibility for their own sense of feeling connected. And in doing so, find beautiful expressions of their own unique self because they've unlocked those patterns that say that I have to do this because that's going to keep that person happy or I can't be this person because it's going to overwhelm somebody else or I'm too scared to be that person. So Mm -hmm. recalibrate your relationship to pain or to the protective mechanisms of your nervous system. And you actually unlock this incredible freedom to be yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite practices when, I'm, when I meditate, which I do most days. And typically, uh, I, I will hold quite a bit of tension in my upper back for, for whatever reason. I'm working through that physically, but it, it, it's, it's a, definitely a tender spot in my body. And I, I sometimes will sit there and it will feel unbearable like the stimulus that it's giving my brain is just like, oh, this really hurts. But I know there's no damage being done. It's not, it's not like a, a pain, like as if my body's saying, warning, warning. It's just a dull ache that can feel overwhelming. And I, I often will challenge myself to be like when the thought says, I can't bear this, to recognize that in, even the moment that I'm saying I can't bear it, I'm bearing it. <laughs> Here it is. I'm, I'm capable of bearing this. It's just, how much will you allow your mind to get away with yourself thinking I can't bear this and creating the story that you can't bear this when in this moment you've bared it. <laughs> it's it is and Very it's true. now.
1: Although, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to bear it? Because I, you know, I I recognize that often we'll tell ourselves that story and we overcome that message from our body that's saying. This is something that needs attention. And yet if we look at that from an emotional perspective, how many of us have something going wrong in our lives as a conversation that we need to have and we're not willing to have it. So we'll just go, I'll bear it by managing my life with some mental strategies. And that thing stays there. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who was telling me that their husband went to their deathbed really with this unresolved relationship with a daughter. Oh, um, and it played out post death post you know will and all of that kind of stuff and I kind of sat with her for a while and I said you know isn't it a shame that there wasn't a conversation that he didn't feel equipped with some tools to actually raise whatever it was and that even though if it, that um, third party might not have been ready to listen or, or able to hear the act of him actually just being able to communicate, what was sitting really heavily on in his heart would have actually made the last few life, years of his life much more enjoyable. So I do think there is an element of, yes, we can grin and get on and bear it and, you know, um, make good in our lives. Yet I think it's also really important that if there is that kind of hidden pain sitting there or something unresolved, what better way to face it than to equip yourself with some really good yeah. communication skills so that you can talk about the difficult stuff. And like you said... The sooner you put it out there, you know the um, the possibility of it being resolved is going to um, arise. If we keep it locked away, you know it mm. doesn't get there. So um, I often talk about um, because I have a background as a primary school teacher and an incredibly um, uh, ravenous mind for for intellectual concepts. Sure. A lot of the research I've done behind my program has come from studying modern neuroscience, epigenetics, physics. Where are we going in the world? How do, how do we understand somatic therapy? You know, what's going on in our body? So I, I've kind of taken a whole lot of those kind of concepts and played it into um, a primary school model of um, how do we teach emotional literacy. Sure. Um, And I've just forgotten where I was going with that, but it was towards a simple. That's <laughs> okay. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, it's... um. I guess what I was trying to say is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of deep background behind the concepts that I teach, and yet I'm trying to present it in such a simple way that we can have these simple tools that we go, yep, there's a big issue in our lives. Let's build the confidence up. Let's build the skills up so we can tackle those things together. Because my experience has been, I mean, I have an example with with my dad. Um, I had a. I was telling myself a story that he really loved my twin sister, and that he really didn't give me much attention. And it was kind of affirmed by life when the first time I ever told him I loved him, he said, "I love you, Jane," which is my twin sister. Oh no. So- <laughs> And my dad really wasn't equipped with good skills to talk about, you know, how he felt about different things. And kind of long story short, all of these years, I carried this story, and and it probably informed the relationships I formed with other men as well, because I just thought that, you know, I hadn't grown up with a man who adored me or who spoke kindly of me or praised me for what I did, and so I just had a whole lot of narratives about not being good enough. And it wasn't until uh, my dad left a phone behind at a house. We were looking for whose phone it was we open up the phone we find out that it's my dad we go through all of the listings on the phone um and dad has you know very systematically written it's not just the name of the person it's the thing that they do um yep. so it was the tradesman it was the old friends and he'd also done that with his children so he'd done you know my brother's an architect or my sister's a teacher and when it came to me there were only two women in that whole phone book that had adjectives before their names and he described me as a wonderful mother and daughter And I just (laughs) burst into tears because I went, wow. Now, I unlocked all of that. And this, I guess, is the interest. um, Why am I getting stuck on that word today? The personal reflection, introspection, I think I'm looking for.
0: Yep, that sounds like um, that.
1: Element of it. So I knew I had a difficult relationship with my dad. I knew I had things that I wanted to resolve. It's not it's like feeling connected is not always about having to have that specific conversation with that person. That does help in the now when these tricky things come up. Yet more importantly, it's about being able to reflect on what relationships do I want to change? How could I learn from the things that aren't working? And so with that particular one, I've done a whole lot of my own personal work through the process that I use. All of a sudden I just randomly get this opportunity to have a window into my dad's heart of how he actually really felt about me. And then a year or so later I got, you know, he's, I'm at his house and he says, oh, this is my, I use this phone as my address book. It's not my phone anymore. And bang, flips it up and says, here you are. You're my wonderful daughter. And, You know, and I got it firsthand from him. And so I guess, you know, it's interesting as I talk to you today because I feel like I'm really narrowing in on the men that that, that I have observed over life um, that often don't have the communication skills that they need and often kind of, you know, feelings it's really amazing how many men when i talk to you about this course they, they all think it, all the other blokes they know need to do it
0: <laughs> yet not
1: many of them are actually brave enough to put their hand up to do it sure. because it's such a no-go zone and it doesn't feel safe um mm. so my goal and maybe this is where the primary school teacher comes in is to make it really safe friendly non-judgmental create a really um beautiful, warm environment for guys to start getting into um, understanding their feelings better, connecting to them better inside of themselves and therefore being able to um, communicate better with the loved ones in their life or the important people or the important conversations that need to be had. And I guess, yeah, certainly um, having had a difficult relationship with my dad, informed a lot of that for me.
0: Yeah, I I think you answered the question I was about to ask you, which was what made this all so important for you? Like what was the spark that took you from – your uh, regular not regular but your wonderful job as a as a um, primary school teacher to want to dedicate so much time studying and learning these skills and then to apply them specifically to men
1: what, what- a beautiful question because now i get to tell my 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 biggest pride story i guess is because really it came about supporting my young my son so i've got two sons um, yes. who are now in their early 20s and yet um the program kind of started because I had an 11-year-old boy, um, my older son. He was struggling with a whole lot of bullying at school. Um, he had a really serious problem with um, an inner critic. Uh, he didn't manage his feelings well. He had quite a difficult relationship with his father. And it was one day that I found him. He doesn't mind me telling this story because he's so proud of kind of where he's got to. But he was in the closet with a, a clothes basket over his head. Telling me he wanted to kill himself, and he was 11 years old. Um, he'd been raised in a family with everything he'd wanted out on a farm. I'd done my best to be this mother, and yet he was being tortured inside of himself because there was a whole lot of big feelings that were going on inside of him that he didn't know how to respond to and communicate about. So we went to a psychologist together, and I felt like we got kind of two for one because it's where I started. It started to really dawn on me that. Everything that um, the psychologist was helping Trent with was actually part of my story as well. And I guess at the time I was also going through my own kind of personal crisis and trying to understand how my life had become so off course. I was living, I was in a relationship and a kind of a scenario where I didn't recognize myself anymore. So it's partly motivated to want to support my son and also there um, wanting to kind of understand how I could reconnect to myself. And the beautiful part about it was that, you know, we went to this college for a while and it kind of gave a little bit. And my son looks back now and he says, mom the stuff that really helped me was what you offered me. So we would have spent about three years. And the program and the tools that I'd evolved were really just a mother's response. How can I help this child understand themselves better, connect to their own feelings, communicate better with those people outside of them. And it just, he blossomed. And so by year 10, um, he won an ACT Education Excellence Award for being a creative and confident individual. By year 12, he was a um, he won their Community Service Award at the same award ceremony. Uh, he's been running his own business since he was 16. He is the most delightful, uh, present young man who's got a really clear sense of who he is. He's articulate, he's compassionate. Uh, and he's thriving um, and then his beautiful girlfriend came and did my course and now I'm watching these two people fall in love and support each other with a, a really uh, deep understanding of the importance of um, open and honest communication and they're thriving and and interestingly my other son um, started with a, a frustrating story in a sense where he really resisted what I wanted to teach and share with him because he's a very independent child and he's got his own ideas about what's happening in life and we went through a very difficult stage when my marriage broke up and he um, really rejected everything that I was doing and I kind of felt a bit lost to him for a while and I just kept offering him the same thing I always had which was my open honest communication and a safe place to talk about things and remarkably he's just done this incredible incredible turnaround and this I'm I'm, there's a point in this because it really talks about why men and 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 fathers and sons and how important it can be to communicate you know because I have a um, background as a tradesperson as well and I'm fairly um I I call I say I straddle the gender divide really well (laughs) because you know I play footy and I'm a tradeswoman and I talk about feelings um and I like to think that I can um make connecting to your feelings really um, accessible for men Mm. Um, and it's really important because if I could think of the 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 number of scenarios where difficult emotions arise and if we knew that everybody what regardless of their gender um, was able to communicate well about their feelings we'd have a much more
0: peaceful world yeah yeah I think yes and no. <laughs> yes and ah, no, in my opinion. Well, just... well, you know, I kind of, and I might be wrong because I know I haven't done anywhere near the research that you've done, but I kind of assume that the way that feelings come about is that they are in response to a thought that you have about a, a stimulus. So something happens, you have a thought judging that experience, and then you have an emotional response to the thought. Does that is that correct?
1: Uh Yes and no, because there's it, a little bit of that um, argument around which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Um, the deeper I go into the autonomic nervous system, the more I understand that is actually we get a physical sensation before anything, um, because actually it'll be our um, uh, if it's something that's going to be a strong feeling, like a you know pain, anger, fear, um, it will generally come through as a physical sensation because something has occurred that our brain has taken in information and before we can actually process that information, our body has already given us a signal. Mm. So we can already be hit by an overwhelming. And this is probably a good point to clarify. When I talk about feelings, I'm not just talking about emotions. So for me, we are these incredible beings of information and there's all sorts of energy (laughs) moving around us. And I don't know whether we need to clarify which comes first, except to understand that in any moment, We have body sensations. Mm -hmm. We have thoughts, which are a form of energy. Um, We have emotions, um, which will, you know, the emotion and thought one is an interesting one because often the emotion triggers a whole lot of biological hormones that will go through the body that also change the way we think and feel. Um, And then, of course, we have our intuition and so that sense of knowing as well. And so for me, when I talk about feeling connected, I talk about connecting to all four of them. Sure. Because... That They are providing an incredible amount of information as feedback. What's going on in this moment? Mm. What do I need to um, change in order to feel safe or to um, connect more with someone else or resolve a problem? Um, And yet when we disconnect from our feelings, you know, I always ask people when I start courses, have you ever hidden a feeling, denied a truth, avoided change or resisted? or ignored a choice or or, or or not made a choice and every single person in the room will put their hand up
0: i was gonna say and at that point me, you could you could probably say look and if you haven't i'll give you your money back <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> so for me the, the the art of feeling connected is actually learning to pay attention to all of that information mm. and to learn to understand so So I'm hearing you that, you know, you do get a pain and there's a story we might attach to or a thought that comes to it. What if we could switch that around, though, and actually be so mindful of the feelings that they're coming in that we've already settled the nervous system, interrupted any negative thought patterns, allowed the feeling to move through us and then learnt from whatever it was coming to show us? Um, Which I wonder if I can give you an example of that because i just i just had a weekend with all my siblings right and there's nothing yep. better than having a, a, a reunion kind of holiday with five siblings to trigger all your pattern yeah wow. and there was um it <laughs> was this and this you know this is this because i've done so much work in this the more you pay attention to your feelings the more sensitive to come the more you can interrupt them so it's like a bit of a the analogy i use it's like a bushfire you can, you can have a pain triggered or a feeling or an old story. And if you can jump on it straight away, it's only going to burn a meter of grass. If you don't, it can turn into a bushfire. And if you get stuck in an autonomic nervous system response or you get stuck in a narrative, it can burn for days, weeks, and we can create a lot of suffering. Yeah, um, so if you jump on it straight away, and I remember at one point, it's just the smallest thing. We'd, we'd spend the weekend together. My mum was vacating the, the really choice room because it was her birthday, and you know it was had a lovely double bed, and and I'd shared a bunk room with my brother, which is you know I'm very accommodating. I'm always happy to be the I'm the one in the family that always goes with the flow, and I'm generally the one that's doing the most work. And um, when we went to shift beds around, my mum had said, "You have that room, Pam," and then I and then I watched myself. And it was almost like i was ready to my old pattern one something i understand about myself is i often deny myself joy or reward i kind of go oh, no i'll make it for someone else so here i was busy starting to tell this story that i was going to give up this choice bedroom for my sister who had felt a bit out of it because her cabin was a bit away from ours it was the fourth one that we were able to get and then i stopped myself i literally no i'm not doing that thing because i deserve to have a really nice room so this is a tiny example of how a choice could arise a feeling arose you know i was ready to buy into my people pleasing i was ready to kind of give up something for myself i was telling myself a story that that was the thing that i needed to do and in that moment i so quickly jumped on that little grasshopper. went i'm not going to deny myself having something that's really um pleasurable for me i'm not going to go into Is that old story of who I think I was and I gave myself that front bedroom and I'll tell you what that sleep in the the queen (laughs) size bed felt really good that night um and it's just this yeah so so we can be using these skills for the big you know difficult you know a child with anxiety or overwhelmed or we can be using it just every day to go what's going on here what's my truth what do I really need and want um and yeah the more aligned you get with your sensory experience of communicating inside the easier life gets the easier it is to navigate those difficult choices and and so you know when you talked about the back pain and you went well you know i can grin and bear it and you know and i'll teach myself that i can manage it i know
0: the the, the real point was that uh, amongst that i'm also i'm also doing um exercises and and routines to, to free up the musculature i'm not just grinning and bearing it i I've acknowledged that it's a problem and it's something that I am actively pursuing a solution for. Um, But it was just that idea that even in our darkest moments, when we think it's unbearable, that we can take solace, that even in the moment of having that thought, we're bearing it. We're stronger than we imagined was the point.
1: Ah, okay, sure. Okay. Um, And I agree because life will never give you more than you can handle and certainly Mm. I now call my father's dying the three wise men experience because yeah. at the time it felt unbearable and yet I, I did it, you, you know. Bear it, yeah.
0: yeah. That that's more in line with the point that I was making, is which is to yeah. say, even in your darkest moment, hang in there for one more minute. You know, it's like um, yeah. because you're bearing it. You can do it.
1: Although what I love about you coming back to your version of that is that when you talked about, well, I'm doing my exercises, I'm doing the other things that I know are going to mean that I don't have to endure this pain and that that I will resolve the problem. And I guess that's what I offer. It's like we can choose to... um, like if we get a physical pain, of course we give it our attention because there's blood pouring everywhere or we've got a splitting migraine that's not going to go away. Yeah. It's exactly the same relates to emotional pain. And there is a whole lot of background work we can do to minimise the number of painful triggers that we have in our life mm-hmm. and to amplify our capacity to support ourselves when we're being triggered and to be able to get the wisdom so we don't need to keep having that lesson again.
0: Would it, um, would it be appropriate for you to share one or two of those now with our audience or sure
1: um so an example in my life where um okay yeah the, the one that comes to mind um it, this happened quite a few years ago it's I was um I'd had a um would met a guy and he'd gone from being my boyfriend to my friend to my builder and you can imagine <laughs> that that's going to be traumatic
0: because sure.
1: you've got to negotiate a whole lot of stuff and we were working on site thought my t-
0: typically it'd go the other way I'd imagine <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: yeah. anyway we had been working on site together and it was clear because he'd actually repartnered so um you know, he was um, wanting to antsy about finishing the job up and I was getting fearful that, um, you know, the job wouldn't get done. So you've got, so this is a great story because you've got two people who kind of have an agenda, thoughts happening, emotions being triggered, and yet it could could have exploded. It could have gone really pear-shaped because I could have got really angry and demanding or he could have just disconnected and t- taken off. And yet we decided to go to the coffee shop to talk it through because we did have a, a gen, like you know, a pretty good way of communicating anyway. So we arrived at the coffee shop um, and I said, well, you know, what's going on for you? And so he said, well, these are the things that I've been thinking about and I'd like to, you know, organise to go home shortly. And I said, okay, and I, I listened to all of that. And then when it was my turn to talk about what was going on for me, he started texting on his phone. Oh, joy.
0: <laughs> I think you dodged the <laughs> bullet there. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. And there was just this explosion in me of like a biochemical bomb went off and i had emotions and i had thoughts and i had blood rushing to my head and you know um and because of the background understanding that i have around how thoughts feelings emotions and truth will all kind of play out together i was i was really mindful because a classic clue will be is that when the response that you're having is in not in proportion to the event that's occurred you know that actually There is a trigger, yet there's more likely to be an ancient trigger that sits behind this or a whole lot of other times this same story has played out and you haven't resolved it properly. So it was like, you know, opening the floodgates on a, uh, like or or breaking down a damn wall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So
1: I was mindful enough to recognise that. I'd also done enough work on my own communication skills. So instead of, so the old Pam would have smiled, pretended nothing was wrong and then quietly fumed you know or kind of you know or got really angry and bitten his head off mm-hmm. neither of those are going to be productive right That that's what i call poor communication that breaks down connection um so instead I, I kind of just was able to in that moment go you know what rick that was really hard for me because you know we'd agree we we're going to talk and now you're so i call that that authentic sharing that's number one it's like okay authentic sharing we got to get this right so i did that and then i explained to him that because i knew the depth of the trigger was so big and i'm not going to land all this on this poor guy all he wants to do is go you know he's already done me any favors wants to go home and see his girlfriend he doesn't deserve the 10 ton of dynamite that's been <laughs> sitting there since you know my dad didn't do things that I was asking him to do so yeah of course
0: um,
1: anyway um so I was able to say to him I can see that I'm also triggered right now and it's not about you So I went into my self-care mode. So we got home, he started packing up his tools. We agreed what was gonna happen. I got to go into my room, process the emotion, settle myself down, recognize what was going on and um, take responsibility for my own feelings. So I could say, thanks, Rick, for triggering me. (laughs) This is what I really need to learn. And interestingly, like we um, finished that afternoon and I was able to come out of there and give him a big hug. And we both went. And here, so when I offered him that direct, authentic sharing he could apologize because of course he he knew he shouldn't have been on the phone to his girlfriend like mm. and and he genuinely um appreciated me saying that so that's what i love about authentic sharing is that when i do it, it gives someone else a chance to do it back so mm. there was this beautiful kind of reconnection between us i stayed connected to my feelings, allowed him and i to reconnect
0: i guess and- i guess a, a critical aspect of that would be um authentically sharing but with an open heart and an open mind, ready for a response that you may be not anticipating because you might have built a narrative around, oh, he's doing that because he's disrespecting me and he's blah, 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 And your response is is at the level of the story that you created for yourself. And then and if if we don't share that response with a with a a recognition that, that could be the case, this is just my perspective of it. And then when we hear their perspective, sometimes people are so closed to that perspective that they, that they continue on their narrative despite mm-hmm. having been given new information. And so like if somebody says, oh, wow, I, I did not mean any offence, literally my mum, ba-ba-ba-ba, and you're like, ah, oh, oh, the whole thing's okay. But, yeah, but it's that skill definitely. of being able to let go of that feeling and not being so identified with that feeling that it becomes your reality. It's just... It's a feeling.
1: Yeah, it's a feeling. And it's there to help me communicate better with someone absolutely. and understand something about myself. Sure. And it doesn't need to be held on to. So yeah, absolutely. That's a core part is that in that honest sharing, you you go to it curious. You've taken responsibility for the major part. Mm-hmm. You still know that you want to rebuild a relationship with that person. So with curiosity and openness to go, well, this is this was my experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm honest enough. And I trust you enough to tell you that this experience created a feeling in me. Like I'm not going to hide the fact that I was upset because it was something that was sad for me or mm. or I felt really un, unvalidated and that was hard. And then my, by me saying, this is how I'm feeling, I'm not going to tell you why you were doing that and I'm not going to blame you or make you the worst person in the world for doing it. And I just need to tell you, you know, this is how I'm feeling yeah. um, about w- what, what we shared together um, and, and give him a chance to kind of clean it up. Um, so, yeah, clean it up beautifully. He and I went to my mum's place and we walked through my front door. And this story is so powerful because it really spoke of a, the origins of where part of my accommodating nature came from. Because I walked into the door to see my mum and she said, how was your day, Pam? And I watched this and there was this, this slow motion. And I was like, I, I have a choice. I can choose to do what I've always done, which is go, yeah, great then, mum. you know, everything's going well. Mm. Or I could take the moment at that time to actually be honest with her and say, actually, and I did. So I went, you know what? I, um, I had a really difficult day. This happened. And what I learned when I did my own processing around the feeling was that the thing that Rick wasn't able to be for me, which was emotionally present, you know, I was emotionally present for him. He didn't do it for me. And the, the, 10 ton of dynamite that kind of went off was actually because I'd had a lot of experiences in my life where the person that I was wanting to be um to, to share something with hadn't been emotionally present. Um and the biggest learning of it was that when I went into the the third part of my process, which is the internal reflection. I realized that I wasn't being emotionally present. Every time I smiled and pretended nothing was wrong or became the ice queen or got busy doing something else, that here I was getting upset that Rick hadn't been emotionally present, yet I hadn't been it to myself. So when I walked in and my mum asked me how I was, I knew that if I was honest, I was giving her a chance to be emotionally present to me. Sure. and i was able to say this is what i learned about myself today Mum. i learned that when i when i get upset i often shut off and that doesn't give people a chance to be emotionally present to me and that's what happened a lot in my childhood and so i'm going to be honest with you and tell you how i'm feeling now and i got the most beautiful hug from my mum. Oh, i got the most beautiful connection with my mum because all of a sudden i showed up willing to have open and honest communication about something I was feeling vulnerable about, she got to hear me, support me, and give me the very thing that I'd spent 20 years, or probably 50 years actually telling myself that I couldn't have, which was emotional support. Mm. So that all started from tension on a building site, feelings inside, information triggered, and a whole toolbox of emotional tools that when in every one of those conversations. I was practicing self-care, regulate my own, take responsibility for my own bushfire that's burning. I can, Share authentically with someone else, I can reflect and go, Well, if I don't like it when someone else treats me like that, do I ever do the same thing to myself? Actually, I do, so I can't blame it. And then rebuild relationships by being able to go to people and you know trust them with your vulnerability to you say, Yeah, that was really hard for me, and you know, I'd like to change the way we relate. So from that moment on, my mum and I have had the most beautiful relationship
0: oh, wonderful. because now
1: it's built on her. Because equally, she had been very busy when I was growing up. So she didn't know emotional presence was important to me until I told her. And now, yeah, we have. So, you know.
0: The truth will set you free.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and it'll keep you feeling connected. That's the beautiful part. Because, the you know, what I with all the clients that I work with, I generally find that as we break down the choices people make to disconnect from their feelings or avoid their feelings, We will then get a chance to explore the origins of all those emotional triggers and the way that they've processed or not processed them. And the third part, the truth always comes up. So if they come to me with a difficult scenario, you know, they might be saying, you know, I really want to build, you know, I'm stressed about my relationship with my partner what we often find when we've processed it all is actually there's a deeper truth sitting under there that can't rise until we've actually taken away all the kind of static noise of all these unresolved thoughts and emotions. And then that comes to the surface. And, you know, sometimes it might be actually that there are things in this relationship that aren't meeting my needs. And they've got the courage to then work towards changing either asking for what they need in that relationship or leaving that relationship and they wouldn't have got to that truth if they just on kept on you know complaining that he didn't shut the toilet seat down or they, mm. <laughs> whatever it was that was making life and their day-to-day thing really difficult so you know the capacity to stay connected to your feelings allows you to navigate choice feelings truth and change in a much more effortless way Mm. which is so much more aligned to who we really are, what we really want to create in our world. Mm. And it sets you free. So there's this incredible <laughs>
0: freedom to be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing that my son struggles with. He's, he's an extremely compassionate little boy. He's not that little now. He's 14. Um, he's extremely compassionate. And similar to, to the story of of your son, you know, he frequently receives citizen awards and he's he's always being recognized for his um, thoughtfulness and uh, integrity and which is a beautiful thing they're the highest accolades that i can imagine him receiving yeah. he may well be a great mathematician but i'd much prefer him just to be a kind sweet person <laughs> if i had yeah. to choose between the two but he finds himself oftentimes getting caught up in his desire to be kind in inverted commas and the, the, the issue that I've been trying to, to let him know is that kindness that doesn't come from your heart isn't kindness. You know, it's being, yeah. sub, it's submissive. And so, mm-hmm. for example, his sister, not in contrast, also a beautiful soul and a, a, a very big heart, but she's a, a more direct a, as a rule. And so if, if Sky, my daughter, says to, to Dylan, yeah, uh, Dylan, could you just shut the door there? Uh, even although she's closer to the door, he will get up from his chair and he will shut that door and then he'll sit down. And then 10 minutes will go past and he'll say to Skye, "Sky, would you mind turning the light off there for me, please? And she'll say, no, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And his head, expl- like, he, he doesn't outwardly express it. Sometimes, oh. he, sometimes he does. Sometimes he, he does just loses it. But he'll try and hold it in there and he'll just become sad. And I'll be like... Yeah hey, buddy, what's, what's got uh, you said there today? And he's like, it's not fair. I do this, she does that. And I said, okay, cool. Do you mind if I ask why you did this? Like, why, why did you get up out of your chair and, and do that thing? Did you do it because in your heart you wanted to? You wanted to do that for your sister? And he's like, yeah, I did. I said, great. So if you do a kind act because you're moved to do it, you shouldn't do it with the expectation of a response, of a particular response. The act is, is, is a closed loop in and, of, in and of itself. That is the satisfaction. You wanted to be kind, you were kind. Now, Skye's being asked this, a similar question. Do you want to help me out by doing this? And she says, no, I don't. Well, she's speaking her truth. She doesn't have to do it. And if mm-hmm. she did do it against her own wishes that's not actual kindness that's that's something different like that's a submissiveness that's a willing that's a, a fear to be true to who you, who you want to be in that moment and so we're trying to sort of unpick all that for him so that he can see that just saying no to someone doesn't equal being unkind you know it's
1: absolutely because sometimes it's about being kind to yourself
0: Precisely, yeah. And
1: so we need to tune into. I mean, what beautiful conversations you're having with your children. I mean, that's the world I dream of. Oh, it, it drives the them
0: nuts. <laughs> 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 they hate it. <laughs> Dad, why are you so weird? Well, you know what. <laughs>
1: my kids would have said that at different times i now all three of them are so grateful for the work that that i've I've done with them the time that i've put in the the vocabulary that i've given them the awareness that i've given them so hang in there it's like (laughs) taking their screens away from them they hate it yet they'll thank you one day and say yeah that was
0: the best thing you ever did yeah yeah no it's uh it's one of those challenges particularly i think for people who are in instinctively genetically whatever whatever it is about that individual that gives them a a leaning towards kindness or, or to um, to wanting to be of service to others mm. uh, I think that they can be particularly vulnerable to falling into a pattern of always saying yes and always being available to people <laughs> even if it's not their truth because like I said that my, my description to Dylan was look Let's just say that, um, a, a, for argument's sake, pure mind uh, experiment here. Let's say the world is a neutral place, and you would like to see it a kinder place. So, for example, Sky asks you to do this favor, and in your heart, you have a sense that you would like to do that because you think it will it'll make the world a kinder place. So you do it. Wonderful, and that does, in a way, kind of nudge the world towards kindness. But let's take the exact same external experience of. Dylan Martin being asked to, to turn to, to shut the the door, but you don't really want to do it. You're doing something else and it's going to interrupt your flow, but you do it anyway. All of a sudden, you have been unkind to yourself. And mm-hmm. so what you've done at best is a neutral addition to kindness. And at worst, it's actually a negative <laughs> in the in the kind of quota of kindness, if we're describing it as that. Because you haven't been kind to yourself and that's as important as being kind to everyone else so
1: absolutely and it kind of it reminds me because you know the the flexibility that i designed the course is because there's some people who need to learn how to be kinder and be more mindful and connected to other people's feelings there's some that actually need to you know harness the power of of setting boundaries and understanding themselves and and being more forceful so Mm. you know i dropped in that word harnessing the power because for me whichever part of your nature your self-expression is contributing to the world there will be parts that will be contributing in helpful ways and positive ways and there'll be parts like this one where it may look on the surface like a positive contribution yet can actually be negating ourselves and so for me the beautiful gift of uh expanding your capacity to connect to your own feelings and communicate from that place gives us the chance to harness the power of connection Mm. whether it's to ourselves or someone else. And in every moment that I've lived through, um, the more often I show up with a willingness to be curious, open, I'm centered and grounded in myself. I've taken responsibility for the, you know, whatever big feelings and I can communicate with someone, the more likely both of us get to grow. Mm. So I can see that your daughter might benefit sometimes from your son saying, no, actually, yeah, I'm, Mm. I'm busy doing something. Or I'm feeling a bit sad that, I seem to do a lot for you and you don't for me. So actually I'm not going to do that anymore. Like mm. something as simple as that can help reestablish a new pathway. Absolutely. You know what makes me curious? Cause I, I'm going to have to go shortly, but I, as you were telling these stories and remember, I was talking about my son and you know, my two for one at the psychologist, which of your kids do you identify most with?
0: Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. You know, I'm going to say, and this is a bit of a cop out um, perhaps I identify with my daughter in my pre thirties, as I described my, my evolution, my, yeah. my daughter is the one that I'm watching. <laughs> In <laughs> terms of, It's like, I, I, and I hope she has as much fun as I did. I mean, I, I hope she stays safe, of course, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a Puritan. I'm not looking for my children to be angels. I hope she has a wild time and it, it's as enriching and fantastic and fun as my experience was. Um, mm-hmm. But my son very much represents more of the person I would like to become, I suppose, in some ways. And they've got blends of that. It's not cut and dry like that because course, obviously they've not. both got beautiful attributes and, and both have frustrating attributes. But
1: yeah, that's a really interesting way to see it. And what a beautiful, I mean, that's what I love about, you know, because we can teach people things at school, yet the most important way to learn things is through modeling um, and lived experiences. So for me, you know, the capacity to interact with family members and to learn really early on the importance of connecting to your feelings and communicating Mm -hmm. is such that that like we set the stage for these young people to kind of, you know, bloom into these adults. And yet if we're not, the other opposite can happen. That's where we get all our shutdown behaviours and, you know, being too nice to everyone else and not looking after ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my model of, you know, as much as I'm passionate about working with young men or men in general, there's this other sense of for every adult, every person that I equip, with the capacity to talk about their feelings um, and harness that power, the more opportunity any relationship can improve. And, you know, family relationships are the perfect spot to start.
0: So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you mind if I ask, Pam, so you, you mentioned that, you know, your your certainly early relationship with your father wasn't as free-flowing as, as you might have hoped if you had a magic wand. And, and similarly, you know, your relationship with your mum really blossomed later later in your um you know your experience yeah. what was it that tipped you off to the power of was this just an, an innate an innate knowing that you had or is this did you have a mentor who who brought you from that environment of a slightly stifled um feeling experience to a uh, you know, a fully blooming one. <laughs> I don't know the language to use, but you know what I'm saying, Pam. <laughs>
1: Great question, um, Justin. Um, two things, I had a midlife crisis where I realized how disconnected I'd become from myself. And part of it was because, you know, if you asked me the question, was I hiding feelings, denying truths, avoiding choice, resisting change? All hands and fingers up in the air because I was doing all of those things and I knew it. And I felt like a part of me was dying inside. I knew I was not living according to who I really was didn't have freedom to be me so that was part of it and the other part of it is i have um i've had a lifetime desire to help people feel more connected i'm a community builder by nature um, and i'm always creating these amazing experiences for everyone else so i've been you know harnessing my capacity to build collective experiences since i was a little child and i'm the school reunion organizer and i'm the scout leader and i'm the pnc president and you know and i know how to create energy around people connecting and communicating well and, you know, and the irony often of what we're taught, what we're here to learn and therefore teach is that I was busy helping everyone else be connected and I wasn't connecting <laughs> to my own feelings. Sure. And that's what it taught me. So it was that my own personal experience, watching my boys, seeing how far they, they were off themselves. And then when I started to kind of understand the process that was occurring of the disconnecting from our feelings and therefore um, kind of losing our sense of self, I looked around and I was like, wow, that person's doing it. Oh, look, I can see. Well, and that just helped feed me into a passion for going, we need more of this.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, we kind of, I mean, this might sound a little bit um, cynical, I suppose, but we kind of live in a society uh, currently that is is—it it is almost intentionally, removing us from our true feelings and from our deepest understandings of ourself, because they would, it's really hard to profit from content people. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're content, it's its hard to convince you that you need a different phone. You got a phone, you know, if, if you're content, it's really hard to convince you. You need six bedrooms, not four when you've only got two of your living in the place. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if someone is, hasn't, has a genuine level of contentment, then, you know they generally aren't consuming a lot um they're just content and so our entire society with its capitalist um motivations and and the habits and the, the momentum of our society is to tell us you know that the most stark example of this that i recall was that it was the first time the penny dropped for me was on my honeymoon 20 something years ago now and We'd come from Adelaide, a sort of Adelaide boy, you know, uh, sort of a, a fairly sheltered life. A big holiday for me was a place called Victor Harbour, which you're probably not familiar with. But I do have Victor yeah, Harbour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, that was, that was the level of adventure that my parents had. And I remember my wife and I going to Thailand for our honeymoon and we went into this gigantic, ridiculous um, consumer cathedral, you know, some sort of a, a, a plaza. And we went in there and we were, we were just observing you know, the goings on of of the place. And I looked down and there was this probably like Nivea or L'Oreal or one of these brands with all of their beauty products. And they had their beautiful, beautifully dressed young ladies there presenting their products to these consumers. And the, the product that they were displaying was a skin whitening cream. And so I was there looking at all these beautiful Thai people with their lovely golden complexions and, and then thinking about our society, how we're encouraged to get spray tans and and all of this absurdity to to change the color of our skin to look more golden, and then here are these beautifully naturally golden people being convinced that that they should be um, bleaching their skin to look whiter, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks to go ah oh, what a scam! <laughs> like they're making sure nobody's content. That's that's their business model. Yeah, uh, when I recognised that, I just thought, all right, I I think a lot of work has to be done to counter the powerful messaging that is so pervasive in our society. And so I really appreciate the work that you're doing to help people maybe pierce that veil a little bit for themselves. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Justin.
1: It's a beautiful place to end on because, yeah, the thing that makes me sad is, is seeing the level of disconnection, you know, right from our kids, right through to old people, from mm-hmm. from from our external environment, from our own feelings, from other people. And we don't need to go into all the reasons why that's happening. Mm-hmm. I just know that it's really important yeah. to stay connected and I'm here to help people do.
0: Well, unfortunately for some people, like the, the uh, deepest level of feeling communication that they might do is a particular emoji you know <laughs> crying emoji oh that's all of my emotions in a picture look at that
1: <laughs> yeah so I always say to people I don't sell pink fairy floss I'm not going to help take away all the difficult emotions I'm just going to help you navigate them so that you can come out wiser more grounded and centered and more able to build relation, you know meaningful strong important relationships with people around you so-
0: I think we should leave it on that, Pam, hallelujah.